slash and cast. back fiends to handle with scare presented by the slash and cast podcast network our show discusses horror movies and the phobias they emphasize throughout the month we've been taking a closer look at necrophobia and the extreme or rational fear of death or dead bodies in horror before i introduce tonight's film and my co-host just a few general reminder for you guys you can stay connected with us over on x at handle with scare pod and be sure to join us for our twisted tuesday and thursday watch parties which are held every tuesday and thursday at 7 30 p.m Pacific time over at kick.com slash totally drunk as always i'm joined by my co-host grand house zombie and tonight uh you know we're going to be trying to sort through all the chaos because we have been suffering from a very bad case of murderous uh, deja vu, really, with Happy Death Day. And uh, I'm excited for this one just because, like, I, I know for a lot of people, when it comes to, I, I would say, like, the the newer slashers, a lot of people have... Uh, uh, like a fond appreciation for Happy Death Day movies like Freaky uh, as well. Uh, so this has really been one that's been brought up quite a bit, at least for like slashers that kind of like stood out amongst the pack, like within the past like decade or so. Uh, but with that being said, like, you know, I, I, I'm not going to say like this is like the penultimate like you know, new wave slasher in, in my eyes, because obviously that's kind of held uh, in a far more bloodier uh, affair elsewhere. Um, but definitely a lot to appreciate here and uh, some interesting takes on where they kind of take this series because they do leave it open for a sequel and the sequel did leave it open for a third movie, which looks like it could be completely different from the first and the second. But we'll get into that here in just a few. Okay, so this is one of the rare first-time watches for me. I had not seen this before, um, and as we discussed previously, I went back and watched the preview for it, or the trailer for it, and the trailer was why I didn't see it. The trailer flat-out just turned me off. It was like, nope, movie about a bunch of assholes, people I'm not going to care about, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it's like, I'm not going to... So. When the movie started, as we watched it, um, I'm like, this is exactly what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> and it was like, well, okay, I will find a way to punish Glenn later. Um, but then it, it did something interesting. It, it had this uh, awakening moment where it realized exactly what kind of movie it was. It knew that it had to dig deep by not digging at all and be sort of dumb and start to have a little more fun with itself. Mm -hmm. And it did that extraordinarily well. Now, I'm going to say this. If I had watched the sequel, say, later, I don't think I would have liked the sequel quite as much. But because we watched them back to back, 
there was really a good flow. And the, the, the sequel it was better than I think it would have been if I had watched them separately. Um, but in the end, this movie surprised me. Um, and it turned out to be really kind of a hell of a lot of fun. And they really did... They really did some interesting things with our main character, whose name is Tree, which I still, for some reason, just chaps my ass. Uh, why? <laughs> like, it, I'm, okay. I, I just, I don't get it, but okay, that's fine. Um, but they turn, they turn her from really being kind of a raging bitch into somebody that you start to sort of sympathize with, and then eventually you start to root for and that's a that's a pretty hard 180 to pull off in a lot of movies, and they did a really good job of that here. Absolutely. So for our synopsis, we have a college student uh, must relive the day of her murder over and over again in a loop that will end only when she discovers her killer's identity. All right, so this is, of course, our Groundhog's Day slasher. Uh, which is interesting just knowing the fact that, uh, our main character, Tree, has no idea who Bill Murray is, and that's just one of the many reasons why, uh, you may not like her, initially, uh, you know, during this whole ordeal. Um, but, but, you know, this is, uh, something that was originally written, uh, by a comic book writer, uh, Scott Lobdell, uh, and it was under the title Half to Death, uh, and... You know, this is one of those pictures that for uh, quite some time was uh, going through that sort of, you know, de development hell uh, until uh, 2016, which is about like a decade after this project was first announced. Uh, and this basically uh, gained traction when Universal Pictures and Blumhouse Productions ended up reviving the project. At that point, I would later go on to be released in 2017 on, of course, Friday the 13th in October uh, and ended up finishing number one in the box office, taking home $26 million, uh, you know, going on to gross $125 million in the box office overall. And, of course, because of that, you know, when it comes to horror movies, that's just, you know, cinema in general, whenever something makes money. Of course, it wasn't that long before they greenlit the sequel. Uh, and then we had Happy Death Day to You, which was released in theaters in 2019. Uh, and I, I know what you mean about, like, the sequel, because I... I I will say, like, they do kind of, like, a good job initially at... Doing, like, the whole, like, flashback, like, catch-up, like, two, three-minute montage to, like, oh, like, this is what happened in the first movie. Um, now, I will say, with the first movie overall, though, you know, we do kind of have, of course, you know, with it being Groundhog Day, we have our repeat timer that stays consistent throughout the course of the entirety of the movie, but the one major thing that is lacking in the first movie that we get, you know, revealed to us in the second movie is the cause of why this loop is happening in the first place. And I I think one of the most intriguing aspects of this, knowing now what I didn't know before, is, you know, really early on when we have, like, the universal logo opening which is very unique in its own right because we do have the loop happening with the universal logo 
We do have the, uh, I will say, like, the noise that happens any time the reset happens throughout the course of the movie, uh, which is later explained in a second. But, like, going in, you would have no idea what the hell I'm even talking about. So it's it's kind of interesting to kind of, like, pick up on these scenes after the fact. But I, I feel like for the most part, though, when it came to... You know, just kind of like general complaints that I saw people having with the first one. It was just a lack of any sort of explanation. And it kind of like took people a, a little bit out of, uh, you know, the overall experience. Oh, see, I would completely disagree with that. And I would say that the lack of an explanation is what kept the movie interesting. Um, and so full disclosure here, and this happened while we were watching it. I knew who the killer was about 20 minutes into the movie. I don't know why I knew it, but I knew it. Um, and so, I mean, in a sense, it took a little bit away from it. And I honestly don't know what the key moment was that I knew it, but it was just like, oh, I know what's happening here. But all things being equal, it, eh, when the movie made its flip and it, it, it started to be fun and dumb, I was just along for the ride and it was really entertaining. Now, as far as the Easter eggs go... Yeah, when I watched it for a second time, I saw some of those, and it was like, oh, okay. And, I mean, I'm going to say this now. Easter eggs on the whole can be fun. I think people spend too much time looking for them, mm -hmm. which can lead people to see things that aren't there, which leads to internet chatter, which leads to a bunch of shit that we don't need. Um that being said, as, as a filmmaker, for a lot of things, when they're doing these things, I'm still a big fan of the stinger at the end of a movie. Um, the, the Easter egg hunt is something that I don't generally do because I, I just I, I don't think it has a ton of value. It's fun. I can see how it would be fun. Um, but I think it. It makes you stop thinking about the movie, what it was, and it makes you looking for these things that aren't really there and it just detracts from the whole thing. Now, either way, I mean, to your point about this being the greatest slasher movie ever. No, it's not. Um, but it does get to be or it gets to a place where it's so fun. And when you have a character like Tree, who when she first woke up, I, I, I mean, my first thought was, God, I hate this bitch. I really hate her. And as the movie goes on, you get to see her like a slow transformation into being anything but a bitch. I mean, being almost um, everybody's friend and, you know, someone who stands up for the little guy. I mean, and if you can't, as a, as a human being, if you can't celebrate that, then there's just something wrong with you, right? I mean, you just, like, that's what we all kind of want in life every day, whether it's our our job, our social circles, whatever it is. We want someone who stands up and does what is fundamentally right. Um, so she becomes... I mean, nothing short of lovable by the end, you know? Um, so, I mean, it for all the blah, blah, blah shit out in the world, and like I said, when I saw the trailer, I was like, I'm never going to watch this because I'm going to hate it. <laughs> and um, it's one of those rare times where I was completely proven wrong. And I'm glad I would because, because ultimately it's a really fun watch. I mean, this is a turn your brain down to a one and turn the volume up to 11 kind of movie. That's what, that's what this is. And, but it makes it good. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And in regards to like Easter eggs, though, I feel like really the only time where I'm, I'm being a little bit more, uh, 
eagle-eyed in, in that sense would be like when it comes to reboots in particular um because you yeah. know we're, we're always looking for like whatever sort of like nods we get to see uh you know from the other iterations uh in, in that regard uh but anyway so we have tree uh who is our sorority sister who is finding herself uh really and her fate like at the pointy end of a knife or any sort of like what a like sharpened edge object that uh could be within you know the vicinity, uh, but this isn't, you know, your typical run-of-the-mill, like, whodunit sort of story. Uh, so, instead of uh, meeting her maker after she dies, we have the mysterious time rewind, and Tree ends up revi uh, reliving her day over and over again, and it seems to be on a seemingly endless cycle. Uh, now, it's interesting because, like, on, on one particular instance, uh, she kind of, like, refers to herself as a cat with nine lives, uh, which is uh, really, like, as close to an explanation that we do kind of get uh, heading into the finale, uh, which, you know, take take it or leave it, but it, it, it does make things pretty interesting. Um, and I, I think, for me, looking back, you know, as we kind of, like, accumulate... Uh, the the death total when it comes to tree. One of the things that they kind of explore a little bit is just the additive damage and trauma her body has gone through over the course of repeating the same day over and over and just dying in extremely violent ways. And it just kind of like it gets to the point where it's like, uh, man, like this. This could actually be my last one. So, like, it, it, it really feels like, you know, you're working against the clock at that point. Uh, because, really, your body can only get put through so much hell before, you know, it eventually, you know, catches up to you. Well, what I took away from that piece of it was just the, the kind of the old adage that time catches up with all of us, right? Um, and even if you get five minutes or five years to try to redo parts of your life and you know, make up for your mistakes and do whatever else. It's like, you know, if you spent your teen years in a heavy metal band, you're probably going to have some hearing loss later. You know, if you spent your teen years being a drug addict, well, you might have worn your body down and certain parts are going to give out earlier. So, I mean, a lot of that, <clears throat> I, I, I hate to say it, is almost kind of obvious. Mm -hmm. Maybe obvious is the wrong word, but it's like, but it's nice to see that they used it. And I, I think they used it more as a metaphor, though, for life. That's what I think that they used it for. It's like, no matter what you're in, you're going to get worn down. So it's kind of back to that whole try to right the wrongs that you've done. And then once you've done that, try to make the best of what you've got left. Because, I mean, it's, you know, I, I mean, it's a it's a trope that's played over and over. And, I mean, and not even in horror movies mm -hmm. in in comedies, in dramas, in every pretty much genre of movie where it's like, life is short, make the best of it. But the things that we do to ourselves, they do add up over time, you know? And it's doesn't matter if you're a criminal who went to prison or you're somebody who is a workaholic that does 80 hours a week. It's like, there's a cumulative effect of everything. Um, and I thought it was nice that they didn't ignore that because, you know, as the you get towards the middle of the movie and definitely into the third act where it's, she's just like... You know, she's getting stiff and there's bruises and things. And she's like, I can't, I don't know if I can do it. And it's like, I, I sort of appreciated it because for me, what it said is that even though she's repeating the same day, 
I mean, she still has her memories, obviously, but there's a cumulative physical effect, too, where it's like, yeah, you can't just keep jumping out of windows or hanging yourself from the bell tower, because eventually, you know, I mean, I mean, after the one, you might have been two inches taller, but for the rest of it, it's like, well, it, it it's going to catch up with you. Yeah, much, uh, much quicker way to get taller rather than, you know, having the rods inserted into your legs to, you know, gain an extra three inches, uh, but then having to walk around in crutches for, you know, however goes, <laughs> like, however God knows long at that point. Uh, but anyway, so we got... Pizza, that seems worth it, though, maybe. <laughs> I've been 5'8 forever. I might do that just, be- <laughs> just because... <laughs> I don't know. Right, to, to each their own. Uh, but anyway, so uh, again, Tree has no idea what like Groundhog Day is, or even like who Bill Murray is, which is you know complete blasphemy. But I guess like it nowadays, like I, I guess it's become more and more common with you know people not really uh, looking back to some of these staples. Uh, but I, I would say like in regards to like the whole time loop genre, probably the other movie that might come to mind that was. I'm not going to say recent, but semi-recent uh, was Edge of Tomorrow, which starred Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt. Uh, it was more like a sci-fi uh, war picture. Uh, and, you know, in that one, you had, you know, Tom Cruise were living the same day uh, after dying, just like Tree did. Uh, only in his particular case, uh, the reason was more rooted in science. In uh, Happy that they... Not, not really based on a, a, a whole lot, just because, like, we don't really have that sort of explanation, as I said. Uh, or at least, like, that's how it appears on paper. Obviously, like, we get, like, the big revelation uh, in the overall sequel. Uh, but regardless, you know, we have Tree, who was just stuck in this grisly time loop. Uh, and... It's it's interesting, like that the script might not have like spelled out every detail for the audience, so it it does kind of like make you like jump to conclusions in your own mind. And I know for a lot of people, like that can kind of be like a take it or leave it sort of situation. Uh, but you know, it it can also elevate the film in its own right beyond you know slasher status uh, and into kind of like maybe a couple of other different subgenres as well. Um, it's, it's interesting though, because like, for, for those that haven't seen the the sequel, um, it does kind of like delve more into the multiverse, uh, route, (laughs) which is, which is interesting because like at the time, like when that movie came out, like that really wasn't something that was explored all, all that much yet. Uh, and, you know, since then, you know, we've obviously had, like, Across the Spider-Verse, uh, God, what was the A24 one? Everything Everywhere All at Once? Probably being the most, uh, well-received, uh, like, multiverse-style movie out there. Um, so... Well, that's because it was fantastic. Well, that's yeah, the, it was, oh, and it that was and just really, really bizarre in its own right, but I, I really yeah. appreciate how... So far, this series has kind of been like, okay, like, we, we have an idea of what we want to do, and it's like, each movie feels drastically different from the other, and just knowing that they kind of, like, you know, when we were watching the double feature and kind of, like, seeing, like, the whole, like, 
uh, Marvel-esque ending of, like, the the second movie and seeing, like, where they wanted to take things into the third. It's just like, well, what genre is this one going to be? So I like that they're trying to give the audience just a little bit of everything rather than just, like, sticking to one lane. Because with this type of story, you know, with it being a time loop... And just kind of like, okay, well, like, what ridiculous way can we get the, our main character to die? You know, it, it makes things expand a lot more uh, beyond just being something that might be a little bit too, like, one-dimensional by just repeating the same thing over and over again. Uh, well, I think, uh, okay, so I think in a sense you're right, and I think in a sense you're wrong. And so, I mean, the movie is basically Groundhog's Day combined with Clue, right? That's what it is. That's that's and I don't want to say devolves because it because it didn't devolve. It was they actually made it fun, which uh, to me was still surprising that they actually got it to be fun. But so with that being said, I mean, you can see I mean, you can you can see and you can feel as the movie goes on both her attempts to figure things out, but also her growing frustration with the situation. Mm -hmm. um, and it makes it very well, God, for lack of a better term, it makes it very human. I mean, and it almost feels like to me, it feels like you're you're calling a, a credit card company or something and you're being put on hold. That's a lot of like how I felt. And it's like that frustration is almost immeasurable a lot of times. It's just like, oh, oh my God, I got to do this shit again. It's like, oh, you just you hung up on me or you, you're going to transfer me to somebody else. So it's very... I mean, it's very palatable for the average human being to just be like, oh, son of a bitch, really? Um, so you sort of share her frustration. Um, and to me, it's very, as a watcher, it was very connective for me. It made me, like, like to a point where, like I said, the movie started and I hated her character. I'm like, oh, God, I'm going to just hate this woman. And then I finally got to a point where I'm like, oh, not again. God, I, and and I, I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm like, I feel sorry for this. I'm like, shit. You know, so I, I was a little like, it kind of flipped me as how I felt for the whole thing, but it kind of makes sense at the same time because it's like, I can't imagine, and especially as you get farther in the movie, I can't imagine having to wake up, explain to the people in front of you what's going on. Um, and uh, granted, every time you get a little bit more information, you have a little bit more legitimacy to your claim and things like that. But every day having to wake up and be like, okay, look, <laughs> here's what happened. And having to explain it over and over and over again. Um, it feels like something every human can relate to, which I think is what made it, to me, we talked about it being a dumb, fun movie. Well, it was dumb, fun, but it, there was a piece of it that was also, like, so close to real life that it was just like, oh, Jesus. You know, and there's definitely a point with this lady where you're like, you're like, come on, not again. Really? I mean, and it becomes... It goes from dark to annoying to comedic to insufferable, almost. It's like a whole range of emotions just by watching her going through these things. Um, and that was ultimately, for me, what made it a good movie because it made me feel something for her. And I wanted to hate her. When, when the movie first started, God, I hated her. Just, just even just for her name. She named Tree, for Christ's sakes. I just like, ugh. But she evolved. Yeah, so Tree definitely had her, her personal frustrations on campus, uh, whether it was, uh, you know, just people, like, pushing their 
or like save the planet agenda when it comes to like trying to get like her signature uh you know we, we repeating like the same cycle over and over like she's constantly getting like the male gaze by like the one guy who's always like lowering his sunglasses to get a closer look uh making making it super obvious all, all the meanwhile um but I, I think one of the things uh which read that might make it very relatable uh is you know she is dealing with like the recent death of uh her mother and that seems to be like her her one true like achilles heel uh in this uh and it's something that's very topical in, in the context of the film uh you know because like she was like ex like exceptionally close uh to her mom you know the two of them share the same birthday uh and yeah it just so happens like you know, Tree's birthday is the the day that you know this entire movie is revolved around. You know, so you sort of have that very understandable emotional fatigue, kind of like drawn out throughout the course of Happy Death Day. Uh, and you know, there's there's a couple of like you know throwaway gestures towards her her mother, kind of like sprinkled throughout this. Uh, you know, she kind of like relives some of the happier days. Uh, you know, with, like, a birthday video that she has on her iPad. And, uh, you know, she has a really hard time, like, just having, like, small talk sort of conversations with her, her dad. And there's, like, a sort of, like, you know, emotional distance that's kind of been, you know, created on this day because of the loss of the mom. Uh, and, you know, it's just, like, every time she's, like, bursting out of the dorm room, too. Like, you know, she finds herself, uh, basically every time, just, like, she, uh, is looking down, and she has, she's wearing, like, a bracelet, uh, that, you know, her, I think, was a gift from her mom, uh, if I'm not mistaken, as well. Uh, and, you know, sure enough, like, things do kind of come full circle, like, in, in regards to, like, the eventual love interest that, uh, you know, we were introduced to. Uh, because, like, he does remember to, like, you know, find Tree and make sure that, you know, he returns the bracelet to her. Well, yeah, and that becomes kind of one of the running themes as she's repeating her days, is that it goes from sort of him trying to very quietly return the bracelet to him not doing it to her demanding the bracelet, right? Because she's, she's gone through this so many times. Yeah, I mean, the death of her mother, it definitely was something that played um, pretty heavy into the whole thing. I mean, and it would for anybody. Um, but I think one of the things that I like about this movie is that... So I'm I'm never going to be Mr. Emotional Guy. I mean, I, I have emotions. I'm not a robot. But I don't think that you should approach every single thing in your life based on your emotions. And the one thing that I liked that they did is... They gave her a moment where she was like, yes, this problem with my dad is happening, but I'm part of the cause. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm helping propagate this terrible relationship. And she finally owns it. And I think that's something that not a lot of people do. They don't admit their own part in a bad relationship. Um, and I... For me, it was just something that was really... I mean, I just it was like... Just watching her attitude, you know, ignoring her dad's phone calls, ignoring his text messages, you know, blowing off the lunch that she was supposed to have with him. And it's like, so you're doing all these things. And it's like, so what do you expect in return? It's like, do you expect this great relationship? Um, and I like the fact that the movie addressed it. Mm -hmm. And they 
and they they made it a two-sided thing versus you know i just hate my dad and i'm gonna wave my fist in anger thing it was something for me that personally as a person like it really spoke to me i was just like okay i i appreciate what you did there Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely and uh you know (laughs) it it just comes to show too like how much like she had kind of like gone through all to you know that point in time too because like had she not just been in a constant loop like it, it was very apparent like she wasn't really interested in kind of like rebuilding that sort of relationship uh with her dad because like you know just celebrating her birthday it was always just an afterthought at that point ever since uh you know the loss of the mother uh at, at that point um so that's a that's like a different level of I, I can't even imagine that if, mm-hmm. if you and your mom shared the same birth. I mean, how could you ever enjoy your birthday again ever? I'm not sure that you could. That made it it was. It was heavy handed, but at the same time, it was very like. It it was one of those little things that made you or not made you, but helped you understand her character a little better. And it was like, yeah, OK, so I guess if it was my birthday and everyone expects you to be happy and jumping for joy. I can I can understand being a little bit of a pain in the ass on that day. I, I get it. Yeah, so this movie also uh, has, like, a, a fairly big red herring moment uh, when it comes to, like, trying to figure out who the killer is. And we do kind of get, like, little snippets when it comes to, uh, like, news headlines or broadcasts about, like... Uh, a serial killer who had broken out of, like, the mental asylum who just so happens to be, like, uh, currently hospitalized. Uh, who's basically been going around killing, uh, young college girls. And, of course, this is used as a tool by, you know, the real man behind the curtain, (laughs) you know, in this case. Uh... Which I, I thought was extremely well done because it's like, okay, like if we need a fall guy, like we are a hundred percent going to use someone who fits the MO for for like who who the target audience is in regards to like the killings in this case. And I thought like that was a really smart move. Now, with that being said too, though, it's just like we we do kind of like have these face-off moments and it's like, alright, well, this is kind of like the point in the movie where it really comes across like, okay, like this is your fight or flight moment. And, you know, Tree for the most part, like she's just ready to throw down. She's elbowing to break the emergency glass to get, you know, the, the ax uh, in the hospital, which is always great to see. Uh, but we, you know, we all, we also have like that moment where it's like, Tree basically has the guy almost dead to rights, and, you know, you have that moment where, like, she lets him go, and, of course, you know, the the killer's like, oh, well, you should have killed me when you had the chance, little girl, and then chases her, you know, up the bell tower. Well, okay, two distinct points on that. First of all, the introduction of John Toombs was smart because we were getting to the point with the the Groundhog's Day piece of this, where it was going to start getting boring. Mm-hmm. All right? So we had we had to inject something. So that was smart. I mean, and, hey, a, a very cutely named serial killer. I mean, why, why, why the hell not? I mean, honestly, why not? I mean, so it makes total sense. But 
in the situation that you're talking about, at that point, too, the, uh, the boy, Carter, at that point, the serial killer had killed him. So she knew that if um, she killed that guy, that Carter would stay dead. That's why she went up to the bell tower, because she needed the day over to reformulate her plan, which is another one of the points in the movie where it's like, okay, so she's starting to like him. She sees his value as a person. She doesn't want to lose him. And it, it probably the main the main point where I was just like, I had totally switched sides on her. I'm like, I no longer hate her. <laughs> mm-hmm. She's she's okay in my book. Let's see what she does next. But everything that happened there, I mean, in terms of a movie and in terms of a story, made a lot of sense. And I would argue that it was pretty deftly done. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was it was pretty well done. I mean, and I mean, a serial killer named John Toombs. I mean, come on, <laughs> you know. I mean. You know, if you named him Bob Graveyard, it wouldn't be any better, you know. So, I mean, it was it, it was well done, but it was also subtle enough to not be. <clears throat> sorry, still a little sick. It was not a slap in the face. Mm-hmm. It was it was kind of a smoother rollout. Like, OK, here's this here's this new plot point. It's just, you know, that sort of that twist that you talked about. And I think it was really well done. And enjoyable, entertaining, really. Mm-hmm. You know, I really feel like too, like even like in the sequel, they they really kind of opt the stakes in regards to like making that sort of choice to reset the day. Because like even in the sequel, like when we're talking about the multiverse aspect uh, that is introduced uh, in in one of them, you know, she's she's going to celebrate her birthday with her dad at the lunch. Uh, like we saw in the first movie, only in this instance, uh, you know, the dad's basically saying like, oh, you know, it's like, it's great you're here, uh, and, you know, Tree's ready to get settled in, and he, he basically tells her like, you know, we're, we're still waiting on one more, and you, you have that moment where it's like, wait, what? And then, you know, Tree turns around to see that uh, her mom is alive uh, in regards to like this particular uh part of the multiverse and it's just like man just the the amount of conflict that gets introduced in that moment uh is definitely just brought to an entirely different level uh because it's like you know you're 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 able to like you know have that moment with your mom again maybe it might just be another opportunity to say goodbye but at the same token it's just like okay like in this world the memories aren't really your own so it's kind of just built on like this state of falsehoods uh at, at this point but it's like you're also sacrificing a lot of other things uh in, in retrospect as well and i thought like that was a really uh interesting take for for them to uh to approach in the second one but you know it just it just brought things to a whole different level that wasn't quite hit on like at that point with the first one well, okay, so I think in regards to the serial killer, I think when this movie did as well as it did and they it was pretty much auto greenlit, I'm guessing the people in the writer's room went, oh, fuck, you know, like the serial killer guy, what do we do with this? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think bringing the mom back was a way to take a little bit of the spotlight off the serial killer so they didn't have to do anything super grand with him because they really didn't. Um, at the same time, if you think about... 
any movie you've ever seen where somebody has an opportunity to go back in time and change things, I mean, that's really kind of always the conundrum, right? It's like, do am I making a future that wasn't supposed to be? Um, and I think as a human being, it's like, I think most of us are just driven to, you know, to do what we think would make us happy, regardless of what it might do to the rest of the world. Um, and she's, I think, one of the rare characters where she's like, no, this, you know, this wasn't supposed to be, so I can't let it, I can't let it stay like this. And that's a, that's gotta be a hard choice to make, you know? So, uh, Hey, we're dipping too much probably into the second one, but I mean, it was, it was definitely one of those moments where they made it a, a movie that made you stop and think a little bit mm -hmm. like, huh? Well, if it was my, if it was me and I was making the choice, what would I do? Would I, would I bring back my mother who I absolutely miss? Um, knowing that, you know, in the reality that I know it wasn't supposed to be like this. And, you know, I think we can all, look back on things that we've done or said or whatever else and go, I wish I could change that. And, and few of us are given the opportunity to actually do it. And it's interesting that when she's given the opportunity, she chooses to leave things as they were, mm -hmm. you know, it's uh it's an interesting choice and it, it makes, it, it makes it for, I, I think probably the one difference between the first and the second movie is a lot of what happens in the second movie is a little more thought provoking where the, the first movie is it starts out giving you like for me it was just all emotion emotions of hatred for the characters because i just hated all of them they were just such bad people um and then it was just kind of watching for a lot of them their redemption arcs and that's that's entertaining I, i'm always down with that the second one when we have our machine that can infect time and do it it, it makes you think about the world today and it's like you know like the large hadron collider where there's splitting atoms and like there's people actually doing those things, you know, and, you know, the one day where you look at your clock and it skipped ahead two minutes and you don't know why, or when your cell phone didn't work for a half an hour or your internet went up, it's like, did something happen? And it's like, I missed it. It's like, so you don't, it's the second one being a sequel is oddly more thought provoking than the first one. Um, and it, it says something about the quality of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, speaking of outages, like, I, I know uh, on, on our end, like, AT&T just had, like, a nationwide, uh, <laughs> like, blackout, basically, on Thursday uh, this week. Good times. So, uh, yeah, uh, who knows what to blame that one. I don't know if it was, uh, you know, Sissy, you know, kicking in at, you know, a certain uh, time threshold and causing a, <laughs> a major blackout or what the situation was uh, on that end. Uh, but, but regardless, like, Tree does kind of, like, come to the conclusion on her own, like, that, you know, she, she has messed up, you know, she, she feels like her sleuthing around has been wrong, and it's really not until, like, she begins to piece together, uh, the thread between her dying in her sleep, and then, of course, Eden, the, uh, completely made-from-scratch cupcake from her roommate, uh, Lori, is when yeah. uh, we we get our 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 grand reveal of the killer, and I I will say this re regardless of my thoughts on who the killer actually is, this movie has like one of my favorite one liners leading into the death scene with Lori. <laughs> 
And just the fact that she like swings on the fucking light fixture and drop kicks her out the fucking window just makes it that much better. But I just I just love that moment because you know she just has a cupcake, she shoves it in her face. She's like, eat it, bitch! Kicks her out the window. I was like, yes, this is the greatest moment. And I like I I just remember laughing so hard watching this in the theaters. I'm like, that was that was a perfect way to to kind of end it. But but man, like I I guess like the way that they got to that point is just like it's one of those endings that people are gonna look at and be like, oh, that's it. That's where that's what we're going. But for me, like I didn't have any any sort of problems with it and. When it when it comes to the fact that like Lori actually worked at the hospital, tied in perfectly with the red heron moment, so she was able to have access to our serial killer who was uh, on the loose, targeting you know these college girls as well. So like, yeah, obviously there's more to it because you know there was a little bit of jealousy involved uh, in that regard because she was also kind of like messing around with the teacher that Tree was also involved with. Uh, so you know can't. Can't have that. No, he's my man. But nope, he's uh, he's already taken in this regard. And of course, you know, that relationship is also, uh, you know, explored uh, in the sequel as well. But, you know, Laurie has the killer reveal, like not like the the biggest reveal. But I, I think the overall payoff, though, being comical in the way that it was uh, really helped made it stand out for me. Well, of course, so. The, the first scene where we meet Lori and her being in the hospital scrubs. When I got a little bit more information in the movie, that's when I knew. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if it's how my brain thinks or, you know, I'm on the tism spectrum or what. I, I don't know what it is, but that's where I knew. Um, but the payoff, the payoff is so good because Tree is so beaten up through this entire movie. I mean, having her dropkick somebody out of a window, I mean, really is... I hate to say it, it was it was perfect. It, it was what it was what needed to happen. She needed to put somebody else through some true physical torture to sort of even come close to rivaling what she had been through trying to get to this uh, solution of the puzzle, right? Um, and okay, I would agree. Yeah, it's a little abrupt. Yeah, it it sort of wraps things up a little too neatly. But at the same time, it just had to happen. And it was totally worth it. It was totally worth it. Just to just to see that. And out the window she went. And it's like, and there's some talking with the cops. And then there's some doing other things. And there's going back to Carter's. And I mean, it, it was kind of a, one of those moments that was somewhere in between laughably bad and also flawlessly executed like so somewhere on that spectrum but more towards the better end (laughs) than anything else because it was like you see it and you're like well holy shit and through and especially when you get into the second part when you have like when when tree does talk with her about you know he's a married guy and he's really kind of i mean i mean everybody knows somebody who's messing around with somebody who's married and everybody knows that it's not gonna work out well but you sort of got to let people figure it out for themselves. They just have to. That's just human nature. No one, nobody likes to be instructed. People have to learn the hard way. Um, but this moment of of uh, Lori going out the window, it felt like Lori learning the hard way. And it was, it was priceless. 
Yeah, absolutely. And it's, uh, you know, kind of like going back to the whole like cat having nine lives aspect too. like tree did die nine times uh, during the whole like repeat sequence throughout. The ninth time was actually when uh, she basically hung herself in uh, in the in the bell tower when she was. Oh, I wasn't counting. Killer. OK, OK. I was not counting. So interesting. OK. Huh. Well, <laughs> you know, for. If you think about the the Groundhog's Day aspect of this, and then when you mix in, you know, the it was Professor Mustard in the library with a candlestick aspect of it, um, it it makes the movie more fun than it should be, and they do a good job of keeping it interesting. Now, like we talked about, I think the bringing in the serial killer was the making sure it didn't get dull, and it was smart, and I'm glad they I'm glad they did it because it could because it could have got like, how many times can you see the same scene and just be like, you know, and now granted, her reactions when she woke up and I forget what the comment was, it, like she'd open the door to that one guy and she's like, yeah, it's the Vag Queen. And then she'd fly out of the room <laughs> like, uh, uh, what? <laughs> you know, but then you if you go back to his very first comment, then it's like when you watch it a second time and you really take in his comment, you're like, oh, yeah, OK, now I get it. Um but overall, I mean, they do a really good job of telling a viable story, making it interesting, and then taking a character who, like I said, when I first met her, I I was hoping she'd die because I just disliked her so much. And I was also hoping most of her friends would die, too, because most of them were not nice people either. Um, but they do a good job of giving you a, a really good deliverance story, you know, like... You can go through all this all this shit and you can come out the other side and maybe you're scarred, maybe you're dirty, but you're ultimately better for it because you've survived. And we do have uh, a little bit of variety in regards to the way the tree does die uh, throughout the course of her nine lives as well. She uh, she gets stabbed in the head uh, with a knife. She gets stabbed with a broken bone <laughs> in another scene, which is... Uh, that okay, that that scene in itself. Or you know, when she's like back in like the college dorm room and it's just like the guy like, you know, flips the switch and everything goes like all I, I'm not even gonna call it disco, but you know, it's all like rave light and it's just like, what the hell is going on in this in this moment? It's just like man, that 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 particular part of it like really took me out of it, but then when she just get stabbed with the broken bond, but just brought me right back. So uh, I guess it served its purpose in, in its in its own right. Uh, we also have a moment when she gets stabbed uh, through the door with a knife. At one point, she also gets uh, drowned in a fountain. She gets run over by uh, a bus, uh, which also is the same fate uh, that happens to uh, Danielle in this. Uh, we also have people getting hit in the head with baseball bats. Uh, and I, I think for me, like, the uh, the one that kind of, like, stood out just because, like, it was completely different uh, was when Tree does kind of, like, eventually make an escape and she creates some distance between her and the killer. Uh, she basically gets pulled over f by a police officer after she basically, like, takes a moment to like celebrate her 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 newfound freedom uh only for 
uh, her to like start to explain like what the situation is because she's driving a car that isn't her. She doesn't have her license or anything because it's like back in the dorm in, in that right. Uh, so of course this basically gives our killer more than enough time uh, to catch up. He ends up running over the cop with the car. And then the next thing you know, there is a gasoline leak. And of course, our serial killer uh, takes a birthday cake candle, lights it, and then drops it in the gasoline. And then, you, you know, we have the slow trickle effect uh, with, you know, just the... The gas leak leading straight to the car, leading into our big car explosion, uh, which was just absolutely fantastic. But just the detail of having the candle being a thing to strike uh, to, you know, set the flame was just perfect uh, for, you know, the, the story that it was telling just because everything did revolve around her birthday. Yeah, keeping in touch with that was absolutely brilliant. Yeah. I mean, and I do like that... So the one time that she technically commits suicide and, you know, if you or any of her friends are thinking about hurting yourself, please dial 988. Um, anyway, so the one time that they do it, it was actually for a reason, mm -hmm. right? It, and, and the reason was, is that Carter was dead in that time space continuum of the multiverse and she didn't want him to stay dead. So it was actually for a purpose, but for her character, it was actually... You know, what, what we learned about her, it was kind of one of the first times that she did something that was not directly to serve herself, mm -hmm. too. You know, so that was part of her kind of very long, but ultimately pretty fulfilling character arc through the whole movie. You know, like to bring her back to a place where she's somebody that you could root for and somebody that you could have a little respect for. Because when she first started, oh boy, did I... <laughs> I was pretty vocal about that too. Like I, I think I said, I hate everybody, but Carter. <laughs> so, I mean, so it's like, it's, it was good that w when they had to apply that, they did it for a reason. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will say the, the other part that just kind of like made me roll my eyes at the time, uh, was the, the security guard that was stationed outside of the hospital room where our, our, our uh, red heron was being held. And it was more so in the sense that it's like... Tree was very easily able to get, like, the jump on him. <laughs> on, a, on a few occasions uh, in this. So it's just like, I don't know if the guy was just too distracted, he was taking the nap, or maybe he just wasn't taking his job serious enough because, like... You know, the, the wardens were there that he was going to break free. Uh, but it was just like one of the scenes where it's like, eh, you, you can kind of like take it or leave it. But like, I, I understand, you know, when it comes to like being posted up, you know, it's just like, oh, it's just another another day, like just kind of like wasting away. Like this guy's already taken care of. He's strapped down. He's not going anywhere, you know, sort of ordeal. And then, you know, we have that moment where it's just like. We only have three shots in, in 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 the handgun for for whatever movie, you know, movie yeah, magic reason was... in its own right. Which is like, what the hell is going on, man? <laughs> okay, so I mean, let's face it. If you if you were a police officer, that has got to be about the most shit duty you can pull, right? So, yeah. I get that maybe you're not 
putting your full focus on it. But between the first movie and then even into the second movie, that guy is and his behavior is all over the place. Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't like what he's doing. Um, now, I mean, let's give Tree some credit here. She's been through this a couple of times, so she's learned a few things. Mm -hmm. But then back to your main point, the cop's gun had three rounds in it. <laughs> uh, somebody, forgive me, but somebody fucking explain that to me. How a, how a cop would only have three rounds in his service weapon. That's not going to happen. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. Um so that is that was probably the one part where I mean cause, and I think we in the in our chat while we I was like what the fuck <laughs> like what the like how do, how like I mean it, it's a movie sometimes you just got to let some shit slide that was probably the one moment in this movie where I was just like I mean okay it's a movie but at some point you've got to intermix storytelling with something a little bit resembling real life right. and from the writer's table, I don't think it would have been that hard. All you, all you would have had to do is write in a, a like a weapons jam, a malfunction. That's all you would have had to do, and I would have been fine with that. All I would, all I would have had to see on the screen is a stovepipe in the gun, and that would have been fine. And I would have been like, oh, yeah, because that happens. Guns malfunction. Okay, totally fine. And she's not an expert. She probably wouldn't have known what to do. Let's move on. But only having three rounds and then the slide locks back. It's like, oh, for Pete's <laughs> sake. Like, are you... So that was a little... That was a little tired. That was one of the... One of the weaker spots. But I think that also comes from having to write this serial killer guy in. I mean, it... A lot of the serial killer stuff felt like second unit writing. That's mm -hmm. what it felt like. You know? Like somebody said, okay, we have to have this, and they, they handed it off to some interns or something, and they just wrote. Now, I mean, ultimately, did it turn out terrible? No, but there was some just dramatic inconsistencies with real life that it was just like, oh, my God. Yeah, it's it's but, like it's like the writers are like, well, we got to get rid of this John John Toombs guy. Uh, what are we going to do? Oh, I know, we're going to have Tree basically shoot him in the chest, and they're like... Well, I guess, like, she doesn't need to unload the entire clip, right? And then that's like, just three shots. <laughs> but it got well, the job it, done, ultimately. That's, well, that, it, that was important. It got it, it got it done, but if you, I mean, in any movie, anywhere of any time, how do you get somebody to stop shooting? Mm -hmm. You do it with a headshot, right? Right. So if she would have shot him three times, put one round into the brain pan, and then called it good, I would have been okay. But she shot him three times, and on screen, the slide and the gun locked back. That mm -hmm. means it's empty, mm -hmm. and there's no on-duty cop anywhere that only carries three rounds. <laughs> it's just, I mean, I don't care if you're even in fucking Mayberry, okay? If you're in Mayberry, they've at least got five. So <laughs> there's just no, there's just no goddamn way. <laughs> yep, it's just one of those moments where, like, what if we have one of those like last scare moments with uh, John Tomb? You know, she would have been absolutely fucked in that case, but uh, that never actually happened. So I guess she lucked out uh, in in that regard. But yeah, uh, definitely like one of those scenes where it's like, you know, I I I know when it comes to cinema, there there's always going to be continuity errors. But that I can't even. This isn't even that. <laughs> so it's just like an just an outright error uh, in, in in its own yes. right. So it's just like exactly. <laughs> yep. Uh, it just makes uh, me laugh, though, at the end of the day. So, eh. yeah. minor minor grips aside, uh, regardless, 
good. We we got plenty of like different ways that uh, you know trees dispose of throughout the course of this. Some of which tie in perfectly uh, with the actual events of the day. Um, and all in all, overall, I still really enjoy this movie. The ending is still just a complete joy. Like, I, I cannot watch the third act of this movie and just not just have a shit-eating grin on my face and just laugh hysterically just seeing her oh, yeah. falling oh, yeah. out of the window. I think they they did it in a way where it's like they they could have made it a little bit more over the top. Like, had she, like, landed on, like, a uh, like a fence or whatever to, like, you know, stab through the chest, but <laughs> to, like, like really put it over fence. the top. Yeah, but, like, <laughs> I, I think it made sense for what it was because, like, you also had, like, one of the other sorority girls outside uh, just screaming at the top of her lungs uh, in, in this case. Uh, but, yeah, just that, that one-liner was just perfect. Uh, you know, wrap a bow on top of the gift, and we are good to go. Uh, and you know, I really do hope we do get a third movie uh, for this franchise, oh. just to see like where they're gonna take the overall story. Um, just because, like, for for the most part, like, you know, I really liked one, two. Uh, like, I haven't watched these movies since I saw them in theaters either, which was a, another uh, thing worth noting as well. So, like, it's I I still really am enjoyed both Ewan's uh, for, for these as well, but just knowing like, we do have the door open uh, for a third movie. I haven't really heard anything, so it's just like you know, there, there's always an argument to say like well, too much time has passed but then again, like, we've seen sequels coming out like 28 years after the first movie, so it's like I feel like that door's <laughs> always open nowadays when it, when it comes to uh, really any movie out there. Well, it always boils down to whether the IP is stale or whether it's for some reason, whatever else, become current. Like the lead actor was in a really popular movie that's won all kinds of awards. So 28 years later, we should make another movie. Um, yeah, I mean, like I said with the first one, I it was the trailer that turned me off. Um, and whether that's fair or unfair, you could debate until the cows come home. It doesn't really make any difference. Um, the movie was fun as hell. Now, I want to talk about the very, very end of the movie, where since her dorm is effectively a crime scene, Carter offers her his room for the night, and so she stays there. And he and she, when she wakes up, he fucks with her. I love that. <laughs> I absolutely love that. And he's like, "No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding." <laughs> I mean, I I honestly think as humans. It's probably what we would all do, you mm -hmm. know, just from just from everything that's happened, all the stress of the situation, you try to bring some levity to the whole thing. I think it was a perfect ending. It was just absolutely perfect. Um, and then, like I said, the fact that we watched the second one and how they took so many moments from the first movie and twisted them was actually really entertaining. Mm -hmm. I was surprised at how entertained I was by those twists. Because um, my first thought was, as... The same characters from the first movie kept coming back. I was like, oh, this is going to get redundant as hell. And it didn't. And that was probably the most surprising thing to me is it did not get redundant. Um, it just kind of kept getting more and more fun and more and more. I mean, and let's face it. The second movie, it, it, it pushes the boundaries of even the three-shot handgun, right? I mean, mm -hmm. it, it totally does. But it... 
it keeps it entertaining. It keeps giving you interesting characters and people that are doing things and people that have a point, right? And it introduces a whole new struggle with not even so much the killer as in the faculty of the school um, and how they become sort of a, a nemesis in the whole thing. Um, and, you know, in the year 2019, having a, having a school be a nemesis for a problem is not a unknown thing, right? So, I mean, it, it was not as good as the first one, but it was still entertaining. It was still fun. It was a little less dumb, but I think given the subject and with Sissy and everything else, it almost had to be a little less dumb just because you can't try to inject this super intellectual thing and then try to be dumb at the same time. <laughs> it would just, they would just clash. It right. would just, it would clash. It would, you know, they'd be button heads the whole time. So no, all in all, I'm glad we watched the first one and the second one. Um, I'm glad you brought it in because like I said, I didn't watch it because of the trailer and I missed a movie that turned out to be pretty damn good. Absolutely. So uh, looking ahead, uh, you know, we did a Sunday recording for this one. Uh, so just a reminder on Tuesday, uh, for Twisted Tuesday, we have Night of the Living Dead, which is going to wrap up our Necrophobia deep dive uh, for our Wednesday recording next week. Uh, should, should be a good time. Like, it's I'm not going to say it's been a long time since I've watched Night of the Living Dead because like, I basically watch it uh, every year. A couple of times, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah, at least. It's uh, definitely a repeat viewing for probably every... I, I know for a fact everyone but but M, uh, in this case. Uh, so we got that coming up on Tuesday. Uh, we're still doing our Thursday watch parties for, like, the new releases. I will note... Um, Thursday next week, stream to be determined in regards to time, because I'm going to see... Dune Part 2 in theaters at 7 p.m., and that's like a three-hour movie, so it's already going to be after when we would normally stream. Um, so I don't know, like, what we're going to stream for the new release as of yet. I did have a couple that I was looking at. Uh, I just got to narrow it down, uh, but we did we did watch uh, No Way Up, the new shark movie, uh, this past week, uh, which... Was entertaining enough? I'm not gonna say it was a standout. It wasn't god awful. It wasn't our uh, Voldemort by by any stretch of the imagination. But definitely a couple of things in that movie that just kind of made us go like, "Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's not how that would work." Uh, when it comes to them trying to repel the sharks, uh, but to to each their own. But that's available to rent on VOD, and uh, looks like we we got a couple of maybe interesting movies that we could check out. I'll, I'll link you a few, like the two that I'm primarily looking at, and uh, maybe we could sort through which one piques our interest a bit more than the other. But Night of Living Dead next week. Join us on Tuesday for our Twisted Tuesday watch party for that. Should be a damn good time. And of course, we'll have our new episode uh, for that one drop in on Thursday. Um... And also, just, you know, generally speaking, like, uh, you know, we got uh, the latest Walking Dead spinoff out of one with Rick and Michonne coming out next week as well. Uh, the Ones Who Live. We also got a release date for the Killer Clowns game. Uh, we got a release date set for the remake of The Crow. Uh, that mm -hmm. comes out June 7th. I know a lot of people have been... Uh, anticipating that one for a while now but like it's 
it's so been so tight-lipped. Like, we haven't seen any images or trailers yet, but that comes out on June 7th. Uh, so, other things to look forward to. And, uh, yeah, just, just kind of, like, a lot kind of, like, compacted into, like, uh, you know, this past week with the horror news. So, definitely, uh, go hop on Bloody Discussing if you haven't already, because there's some other things sprinkled in there, uh, including, like, the Crow 4K for the 30th anniversary, uh, coming out as well. That looks pretty damn good. Uh, but... With that being said, that will wrap things up for tonight. So again, join us on Tuesday for Night of the Living Dead. And uh, we'll see what... Time out. Time out, sir. What? We, have, we haven't talked about March and, and a new fear for March, and I had an idea. Okay. Hypernophobia. Hold on, let me... You said hyper? H-I-B-E-R-N-O-phobia. Okay, I'm looking that You should be able to see of where Irish this is people. going pretty quick. Yeah, okay, I can see that. Yeah, so it's March. We got St. Patrick's Day in there. We could do at least one, <laughs> at least one leprechaun movie. Just an idea, but we can discuss <laughs> it further. <laughs> There's a whole bunch of leprechaun movies. He even goes to space. Come on. That's when you know you're a real a real franchise when you go to space. <laughs> I'll uh yeah, well we'll come up with some of this because I'm pretty sure didn't you also like you were talking about like the fear of fish was the other one that you had posted? We did talk about the fear of fish. Yep, absolutely. Um I I will preface by saying we've already reviewed Piranha and the remake. Oh, there's well, there's But other... I'm, I'm I'm just saying, but yeah, I I know. Oh, uh, we could go. Well, if we could go, we could we could simplify it and just call it fear of like the sea or the ocean. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I think we've already talked about we've already talked about humanoids from the deep, though. Damn it. I love that movie. But either way, let's uh, uh if, if we can expand okay. on the Irish phobia <laughs> for for lack of a better phrase, um, we, we will because I, I do I do think that would be a good fit. I think. I think the hollow well, it, it might actually fit in that. It might. And I and I am Irish, so I'm happy to be afraid of myself. That sounds fun. <laughs> so. <laughs> but yeah, well we'll let you guys know on that on on that front, uh, for, for our next recording and what direction we're we're going to take. Uh but yeah. Well uh we'll see you guys on Tuesday, hopefully for Night of the Dead, and if not then Maybe stop by later on for Thursday for whatever new release we end up watching. And uh, who knows? Maybe this will be the week that we find our true standout for 2024. Only time is going to tell. It's still early. We, <laughs> like, hey, you know what? If the last couple of years have been an indicator, mm-hmm. the best movie takes place in somewhere between months one and four. And then the rest of the year is just a slip and slide covered in human feces. So let's let's hope that maybe we get to do that. It'll be fun. Yep, fingers crossed. And on that note, guys, have a good night, and we'll see you around. All right. See you, everyone. <laughs>